This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, where we uncover the truth, one guest at a time. For those who dare to seek, Veritas is the place where they shall find. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. Tonight's special guest is one of the best UFO illustrators of modern times and a great UFO researcher. He is back, Jim Nichols. UFO history, the Archons, the Gnostics, and how it all fits together. Jim will be with us shortly. To listen to the complete version of this and all our past and future shows, become a member. You will receive immediate access to all our inventory of shows, the Veritas private chat room, and the Manticore Forum. Just head on over to our website, VeritasShow.com, click on subscribe, and take Veritas with you. And have you looked at our newest, hottest product? Yes, it is still hot because it is still selling. It's the 8GB brushed metal case USB drive containing all of Season 1 and a lot of bonus material. It's now in stock. You may want to check out 
what else is included? There's a lot of material crammed into this futuristic piece of Veritas history. And some people have emails saying that they simply travel with the USB drive, they plug it into their computer, uh, turn on iTunes, listen to all the shows without having to wait for any downloads. And in addition, get a lot of bonus material. So again, go to the website, VeritasShow.com, and click on the Veritas store and find out. And if you need to get in touch with me, go to our website and click on the contact button or on Facebook. And now, get ready to find out what we have been told is mythology and science fiction, when in fact, it could very well be true history, removed from our consciousness as a way to limit our potential. If you want to know about the Archons, the Gnostics, the Nazis, the Vatican, and more, don't go anywhere. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. right here on the very test show is supplied by the independent artists from jamendo.com if you hear a song you like go over to our homepage veritasshow.com click on the guest look up the song and download it you can even buy the group's CDs in many cases right there at jamendo.com this is Jay Widener and you're listening to Veritas Jim Nichols was born a post-war baby boomer in 1948 in the flatlands of northwestern Ohio. By the time he had reached his senior year of high school, Jim's restless creativity fueled in him an abiding ambition to become an artist. Even while serving two years of Army service, he managed to complete a correspondence course in commercial art. Following his discharge, Jim resettled in Tucson, Arizona in 1972. For a time, cactus, sagebrush, mountains, and skies dominated his artistry, and he made something of a name for himself as a painter of southwestern landscapes. By the late 1970s, however, he discovered he could not be content to limit his art to just desert scenes. Popular films of the day, like Star Wars and Close Encounters, rekindled a love of science fiction that he knew as a youngster. Soon, alien landscapes and spaceships captivated his creativity. Beginning in 1980 and throughout the following decades, Jim painted numerous UFO illustrations that have been published internationally. His notoriety in the field of UFO research earned him a co-host seat on a weekly public access television program in Tucson, produced by Ted Lohman, entitled UFO AZ Talks. This popular award-winning program ran from 1991 through 1997 I was aired on public access channels across the country. Currently, after so many years of painting, fine art, and illustration, Jim has expanded his creative talents to include sculpting as well, thus bringing an added dimension to his legacy of artistic skill. And as you already know from his first appearance on the show last year, Jim is also a well-known and respected UFO researcher. And directly from the beautiful desert of Tucson, Arizona, I would like to welcome Jim Nichols. Hello, Jim, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? Well, it's always good to talk with you. We always have fun things to discuss, don't we? 
We always do. Whenever we meet, you know, Jim and I have met a few times at different places. And honestly, I always admired that combination of artist and researcher. And to those of you who haven't heard of Jim before, if you haven't listened to the other show we did before, if you saw some of uh, Jim's art, you'll know exactly the art I'm talking about. I mean, whenever I see your art, Jim, it takes me back, although I was not born in the 50s, I was born in the 60s. Whenever I see movies from that time, it reminds me of the art that you produce. Very good. Is that something you've been told? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I don't see how you can escape and not make the connection because it's, my art is so, <laughs> is so influenced by Hollywood. And, that, you know, Hollywood movies were... Really, what what inspired my interest in UFOs and flying saucers and so forth back in in that era, and uh, you know, come to find out, it, it was no accident that we were seeing films like that. That uh, that was part of a collusion between Hollywood and Washington to uh, educate the public about the possibility of life off this Earth, and so and it's like I'm just a product. Of that uh, of that program, you mentioned something very interesting: the connection between UFO, I mean uh, Hollywood and Washington. And there are times, there are decades in which we see very uh, movies that put uh, extraterrestrials in a good light. I remember the the eighties. Uh, you had ET and uh, the Last Starfighter and so on. And then all of a sudden, it changes, and sometimes they portray it as negative. Why, why the contrast, Jim? That's a very good question. Um, are they good guys or are they bad guys? And I think if you, uh, you, you you look at if you look at Hollywood films, actually, it's like prior to 1947, there were hardly any science fiction films at all. And then bingo, we had uh, well the crash at Roswell, right? And then in the early 50s, we had uh, lots of films like uh, War of the Worlds. And uh, Earth versus the Flying Saucers, and 20 million miles to Earth, where you saw uh, marauding aliens, you know, attacking, and it's like that that terrified, uh, you know, audiences, and it made beings from outer space look absolutely terrifying, horrifying. And then uh, we kind of got away from that, and I'm not sure something. There seems to be some waffling in in policies. <laughs> coming from uh, Washington about just how do we approach this and do we use this as a tool uh, do we use uh, this, the, the scare tactics of extra of, of hostile extraterrestrials uh, to our advantage to uh, make our own to to oh, what do I want to say uh, to make our own governmental power um, greater to increase our own military power, uh, as uh, the military-industrial complex would have it. Um, can we afford? Can, if we have a huge military budget, can we afford to let our guard down and and assume that extraterrestrials are all going to be uh, benevolent? And that's a question in everybody's mind. You know, if we we all envisioned. A, a peaceful world where every country can get along. And many people talk about a new world order. And as I've said on many occasions, I don't see a one world government because that if the 
military-industrial complex that Eisenhower referred to really exists, and it does, and it continues to to expand its tentacles of, of one hydra, if you will. We will always have a separation of, of different regions, just like uh, Orwell said in 1984. So in the back of our, of our minds, when we see all these movies, do you think there's an agenda out there to prepare us to... to the culmination of, uh, and I sound like a broken record, folks, but I have to. The report from Iron Mountain that says that the, the in order to unite the world, we need an alien invasion. Is this a, a propaganda machine in full force to 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 put this thought in our mind? Well, I can't say you know definitively one way or the other, but it would certainly be a useful tool, don't you think? I mean, you look at, uh, I think certainly uh, Orson Welles proved that back in 1938. Uh, when he did his War of the Worlds radio program. It's like this. Right. Whether he did or did not have uh, a government collusion with that as a propaganda piece, it's like you can't tell me that, that uh, people within the, the Defense Department or within the, the CIA, the intelligence uh, community, would not look at something like that and say, wow, that could be a very useful tool for creating... Uh, a scenario where we could take advantage of that militarily. And in the past few weeks, as you know, we've had a, a few guests who devote a lot of the research into the Nazi UFO connection. Jay Whitener, Joseph Farrell, Jim Mars, uh, uh, who else? Uh, Peter Lavenda, you. It seems that whenever I think I've concluded I bring somebody else to continue that. Why is there so much connection and so much research taking place after, you know, almost 60 years after World War II that, that tells me that this, this Nazism, if you will, continues? Hmm. Wow. That's, that's the que- I have the same question. Um, for crying out loud, I was born a baby boy. I was born right after World War II. And all I knew was the, the euphoria, and it's like the United States is whoopee, the most powerful nation in the world, and look how we whoop the Nazis and all that stuff. And then here, 60 years later, there's all this undercurrent that, that well, did we really defeat the Nazis? And when you, when you go back and look at, at the technologies that they were developing at the time, hell, they had television. They had uh, smart bombs. The smart bombs we used in uh, the Iraq War, and in the Kuwait, uh, the Gulf War, uh, the Germans had developed those bombs all the way back <laughs> for World War II. Um, television-guided bombs. They, they had developed uh, remote-controlled flying bombs uh, that we called, uh, you know, ballistic missiles. Um, and uh, actually, the, and even the father of um, of quantum physics, Max Planck. Was a, was one of those brilliant, brilliant German physicists. And it's like you know what? How far advanced were the Germans that uh, that the rank and file of the American public has absolutely no clue about? And it's like who who really won the war? And the question in everybody's mind once again, with all that technology, and I did not know that they had. Uh, and those types of missiles you're referring to. So that's news to me. But if they had all this technology, what, if there was somebody being a puppeteer at the time 
who was allowing Hitler to proceed as fast as he was. And he had all this technology of even, you know, the drill, uh, not the drill, the, the, the Nazi bell and so on. How did it change so that they lost the war? Because if they had used all this technology, there's no doubt in my mind that they would have won decisively. Well, the question is how uh, how far up into the German uh, high command was the influence of this technology. And it's like, as I understand it, uh, uh, yeah, Hitler did order that uh, um, a certain group within the SS work on free energy projects, which ultimately included the bell and uh, the flying disks. But I think I don't think like the 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 main players like the the Luftwaffe, like Goring and the Luftwaffe. I don't know that they genuinely perceived these exotic technologies as I don't I don't know that, that they saw the incredible potential of these technologies. And so eventually so ultimately you were you had Hitler uh, bogged down in a very conventional war in Europe, while a part of the, the Reich was struggling to develop these exotic technologies. And it's like I don't know. Of course, you have you have comp funding competition within the Reich. We had the the Luftwaffe, and you have uh, their people there. Corporations that are building the bombers and so forth, all fighting for a, a, a chunk of the funding to develop these individual um, uh, weapons. So I don't know. I question as to how, how how deeply into mainstream Third Reich these technologies actually got. I think it was maybe late in the war that they suddenly realized just how important these technologies were. And that there were other people like Hans Kammler, who 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 was sharp enough to uh, capitalize on using those technologies as leverage to uh, to make deals with the Allies at the very end of the war. And you mentioned two words: free energy. I know that at one point Hitler felt threatened because of the the Allies were were threatening to cut the oil. Uh, from entering Germany, so that you know that that was what was was keeping the well, Nazi you have machine to look at going, both, right? Both, the, both Germany and Japan had right. uh, uh, the British and the Americans had a knife at the throat of both the Germans and Japan by with uh, by cutting off the petroleum. The mm -hmm. Brits and the and the, uh, the Americans had absolute uh, monopoly on the petroleum, so. And that—that that was one of the main issues that precipitated the war. Pearl Har and Pearl Harbor. Hello. Yeah, but I'm saying that uh, it also precipitated Pearl Harbor because we were blocking the exactly. petroleum uh, exactly. uh, from entering Japan. Right. And here was Japan, a uh, a, a newly risen uh, industrial power, who suddenly would say, "Well, you can't be an industrial power anymore because we're not going to let you have petroleum." So it's like, right. oh, well, excuse me, I think. We need to we need to work something out here, right? And that's so a lot of a lot of the mythology going into the the German saucer technology was the impetus behind that was to find some kind of free energy technology that was totally independent of the petroleum cartels. 
And how successful did they uh, become in their pursuit of uh, free energy? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Did they, did a portion of the Reich actually just go off and drop off the grid and establish a, a, a secret colony in the Antarctic? Or did they develop technologies that were so advanced? Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.